Bible read to us from John's Gospel, chapter 15, and I'm going to ask Rosie and if you can come and read to us. Thank you so much, Rosie. Rosie, you can stand here, but do you want to stand there and I'll hold this this for you? Brilliant. Thank you, Rosie. In Christ Jesus. This is John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 5 and then verse 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is, my, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thank you so much, Rosie. Please do. I said that there was lots of people here today who could tell some stories about Nick, and one of them is now coming to a share from God's Word with us, uh, one of Nick's previous ministers, um, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Kaplan. If you want to come and join us, I'll let Lindsay introduce herself and share with us from that passage of Scripture, but I'm just going to pray for you, Lindsay, as you do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word, the Bible. Lord, we thank you that in every generation it speaks to us something of who you are, something of your goodness, and also challenges us in our lives to be more like you, Jesus. So today, help us to hear your voice through your word, by your spirit speaking to us. And Lord, make us courageous enough to respond when we know that it's you who's speaking. Be with Lindsay now as she speaks with us in these coming minutes. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lindsay. As Carl said, um, I'm Lindsay Kaplan. Uh, I'm a regional minister in the West of England Baptist Network. And I think I've been invited because I'm a friend of Stu, Stu and the family. I've also had the joy, as Carl said, of being Nick and Sally's minister uh, for a couple of years. I need to put this somewhere. I wanted to talk about Jesus today, about Nick and Sally and this church community too. But primarily, I want to talk about Jesus and who he is and why that matters to Nick, to Sally, to the church and to the wider community. So I wanted to start with those words that Rosie read to us just a few moments ago. Thanks, Rosie. Words that Jesus himself said. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And if Jesus is the true vine, then everything else that we look to, to direct our lives, to give us purpose, fulfillment, to give us meaning, is not. 
And that doesn't mean that those things are necessarily bad things. You know, God loves to bless his children. And he loves it when we have life-affirming hobbies, um, vocations, and relationships. But ultimately, all those things leave us feeling that there must be more. There must be more than this. Because those things, whilst they may be wonderfully life-enhancing, are not the source of life. Jesus is. Because he is the true vine. And by saying that, Jesus is saying that he is the one through whom all those ancient prophecies and promises to God's people will be fulfilled. He is the one through whom all nations on earth will be blessed. And it's a huge claim. But it also means that he's the one through whom I can find forgiveness. I can find reconciliation, restoration, justice, healing, wholeness, peace, salvation. And if you need any of those things today, and who doesn't, turn afresh to Jesus. Or perhaps turn to him for the first time. Abide. Abide. And Jesus goes on to say, he says, I am the vine. He says, you, you are the branches. Fancy that? You're a branch. This is communal imagery. It's branch S. It's plural because Jesus is talking to those who together will follow him and become the church. So Nick is a branch. Sally is a branch. And today they are grafted in to join with fellow branches here at Mutley Baptist Church across Plymouth, the southwest and beyond. Isn't that exciting? Welcome, Nick and Sally Branch. (laughs) But back to our story. Jesus has said that he is the vine and we are the branches. And what I wonder might he say to Nick and Sally Branch and to the wider branch family here today. I think he might say, remain. That's not meant to be a political comment, by the way. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
however brilliant a branch might be, is soon going to die if it doesn't remain attached to the vine. Sure, the leaves, the, the fruit might linger for a while, but they'll soon shrivel because a detached branch is a dying branch. And it's obvious, really, isn't it? So why are we as humans so prone to try and bear fruit by ourselves as individuals, as churches? I tried it for years. I saw what I thought were, were super saints around me. And I tried to be like that the perfect disciple. I wanted more fruit. And so I kind of, I, I stared down at the, the branch of my life, almost obsessed with my imperfection. I focused hard and I kind of huffed and puffed, you know, willing fruit to grow and Nothing. And so I tried even harder, that huffing and puffing and nothing. Sound familiar? And then a series of life circumstances caused me to turn my gaze away from, from my poorly yielding branch towards Jesus. And guess what? fruit started growing naturally on my branch. Fruit that reflected so much more of the character of Christ, including joy and gratitude. Things that those around me, strangely really, found more attractive than me going huff, puff, and really trying really, really hard. It's so easy to focus on the wrong end of the branch. Individually, like I did. And corporately, as God's people, as church people. But we want more fruit for the kingdom, don't we? We want more fruit for the kingdom, don't we? Yes, good. I know we're not allowed to sing, but <laughs> we can shout. Well, it's a great ambition, Aim for it, but let's not waste our energy huffing and puffing. Instead, let's lift our eyes to Jesus and focus on the vine. And when we abide, the Spirit flows through the branches quite naturally. And ta-da! Fruit grows. But it's not magic. It's the Holy Spirit. It's simply what happens when we abide. I say simply. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Let's look at, you know, if you look at the context of our Bible reading, you know, it's always a good idea to be aware when you're reading the Bible, of what goes before and what comes afterwards because it gives so much more richness 
to what we're looking at. And in the chapter before the one that Rosie read to us, we read, we, we find Jesus talking to his disciples prophetically about the road of suffering that he is about to travel, the road to the cross. And Jesus goes on to say, because I live, you also will live. This is chapter 14, not 15. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you'll realize that I am in the Father and the Father and you are in me and uh, I am in you. Or in other words, other translations, that I abide in my Father and he in me. And if that sounds a bit like the vine imagery in the following chapter, chapter 15, it's because it's meant to. Jesus is fleshing out in chapter 15, the vine passage, what he's been talking about in the previous chapter. Jesus is effectively saying these coming trials you've heard me speaking about in chapter 14 will lead to the completion of my work at the cross. A time when just as I dwelt in the Father, so now you will dwell in me. Us in Christ, Christ in us. And with hindsight, we know that at the cross, Jesus overcame the worst that Satan could throw at him. And I want to follow somewhere like that. I want to be in Christ and Christ in me. Don't you? That's the power of Christ in us. And if we abide in him as he did in his father, then all the resources of heaven are open to us. We can trust that even on the road of suffering, The God of all creation will be overseeing it all. And he offers us the resources that we read about in Ephesians 3, 3.19, to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Just think about that for a moment when you think, I really don't know how we're going to do this individually or together. Be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And no wonder Ephesians 3 um, concludes by saying, Unto him who is able to do infinitely more than all we ask or imagine, or all that Nick or MBC asks or imagines, according to the power that is at work within him. It sort of says... Nick and NBC, anyway. But don't you want all the resources that God can offer? Don't you want juicy, ripe fruit? Abide. Power up by plugging in. And that's so exciting. But a word of caution, particularly to Nick. You'll already know this, Nick. But a challenge about being a local church pastor is, bizarrely, finding the time to simply abide. I know that people make jokes about a pastor's job just being one day a week. But if anyone really believes that, then they haven't understood pastoral ministry. It's a role that encompasses so many 
conflicting, demanding priorities. And it's always easy to feel that you could be or should be doing more. On top of everyone else's varied expectations and priorities for you, Nick, you'll have your own sense of what you should or shouldn't be doing. And it turns out that on top of that, that Jesus is whispering in your ear his expectations. And this is his priority for you, Nick. A priority that takes precedent over everything else. Are you ready? Can you guess what it is yet? Jesus would say to you, Nick, abide. In colloquial Greek, Jesus would probably say something like, come hang out with me, Nick. I enjoy your company. Yeah, I know you think that's bonkers. But I made you, and I like to spend time admiring my handiwork. Gently shaping, moulding, fixing, building, restoring, polishing, until you reflect me more and more, and I can see the smile in your spirit as you respond to my love. And Nick, I don't want you to be so busy doing stuff for me that you forget to enjoy simply being with me. That's my number one priority for you, Nick, and for this church. Everything else must flow from that. And just in case we haven't got the message, Jesus says again in verse 5, as if to underline in red, I am the vine, you are the branches. Here's a picture. Oop, that was a note to Nick. I've got it wrong. Here we are. Here's a picture of some uh, tomato plants in my garden, tomato vines. I started with 18. I gave two away. Three got eaten by slugs, and I'm left with 13. And that's them a few days ago. They could be bigger, but they're not, but never mind. It's pretty windy where we live. Uh, So I have to stake them, tie them, and retie them as they grow. I also water and feed them uh, with a capful of tomato feed every now and again. And sometimes I break off the side shoots Uh, So the plant can put more energy into producing tomatoes. And the plants are currently super lush and verdant. But if they don't go on to produce tasty, ripe tomatoes, it will have been, at best, a distracting hobby. Now, during a pastoral vacancy perhaps particularly during lockdown, you may have had a virtual look round. Other churches, I think many people have. You may have seen articulate speakers, great musicians, fantastic websites, amazing programs, slick production. It can be really inspiring and very helpful. But don't mistake that for fruit. 
That's luscious greenery. And I reckon that sometimes in our lives and in our churches, we measure greenery more than fruit. It's easier to measure, like numbers of posteriors on seats. But whether the leaves are greener on the other side is not particularly relevant because the gardener's key interest, God's key interest, is fruit. And he doesn't just want the odd fruit here and there. He wants an abundance of fruit. He's greedy for fruit. (laughs) And from time to time, he allows the greenery to be pruned back in our personal lives, in our church lives. And that can really hurt. But we must make space to mourn the loss. But sometimes when a vine is pruned, it ultimately goes on to produce more fruit, more fruitful disciples. Fruit that looks like Christ-like character. Fruit that looks like people learning to live the way of Jesus in their context at this moment. Peace, patience, joy, hope, humility, confidence in Christ, love, integrity, grace, healing, life, well-being, restoration and reconciliation with others and with God, justice, mercy, the fruit of a flourishing community of whole life disciples of every age, offering a foretaste of the kingdom of God wherever they are in every sphere of life, in the church building, at home, in the street, at school, at work, in government, the coffee shop, the hairdressers, wherever, people living lives that are a foretaste of the kingdom of God, people serving to to signpost others so that they too can know the saving, transforming power of Christ in their lives. Disciples making disciples. Let's get greedy for fruit. Because the gardener clearly is. And it clearly matters to Jesus because he goes on in verse 8 to say, My Father's glorified by this that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus mentions fruit six times in five verses, eight times in the chapter. So if you think I'm repeating myself, blame the Bible. And if you're in any doubt that God wants fruit, don't be. Whenever words or phrases are repeated close together in the Bible, it's a literary device that's meant to say, Oi, look at this. It's really, really important. And as individuals, we want to glorify God. As a gathering of believers, as, as church people, we want to glorify God, don't we? But good programs, good preaching, good music are not enough. They're great, but they're not enough. We might be able to make disciples without abiding deeply. 
But if we're not close to Jesus, if we're not abiding, we might want to ask what type of disciples we're actually making. If we want disciples of Jesus who make disciples, and the garden does, we need to be fruitful disciples. And that comes from each one of us choosing to abide. Back to my garden for a moment. Last year, I haven't got a picture of this, but last year I had this short, stubby stick with some leaves on it, but not many, um, and relative to its size, a load of tasty blueberries. And this year I have another, not the same one, but another stubby stick that's meant to be another berry tree, but it's born no berries, it's just a stick, really, that I'm watering. I've also seen magnificent, structurally beautifully beautiful fruit trees laden, and I've seen magnificent, structurally beautiful fruit trees barren. And whether as individuals or as, um, you know, whether as individuals you identify more as a, a stubby stick with a few leaves or a magnificent tree, what actually matters is whether we're abiding in the vine. And if you are, stick or tree, the Holy Spirit's power can and will work in and through you to yield fruit. Amen? So in this new season, Nick, leadership team, congregation, start as you mean to go on. Start by abiding deeply. Everything else must flow from that individually and together as pastor and people. Seek to nurture a community of whole life disciples where every part of people's lives are radically reorientated around Jesus Christ. He in them and they in him. This is the power of Christ in us. Lives that bear juicy, tasty fruit, kingdom fruit, that offers one another, the people of Plymouth, and further afield, a foretaste of the kingdom of God. A glimpse of what things might look like when life is lived under the rule and reign of Christ. And having served as a foretaste, we can serve as signposts to the vine. And perhaps it's a while since you truly abided. Maybe you've headed off on your own track, maybe intentionally, maybe you've just drifted off. Maybe you've simply been busy doing things for Jesus and you forgot to do things with him. Huge danger in church life, especially for leaders and for people in the workplace and for those studying at college and for parents. Or maybe you've never been part of the vine. 
And today you sense God calling you to abide, to plug in, to receive the resources of the kingdom. I know that after the past few months I've had, it's not been the easiest time, um, as I've prepared for today, I've had to personally respond to the message that I'm, I'm giving you right now. Respond afresh, and maybe you do too. And let me read to you words that I think Jesus might want to say to every one of us, individually and as a church at NBC. And then I'll leave a moment of quiet for us to respond. I think Jesus might say something like this. Come hang out with me. I enjoy your company. Yes, I know you think that's bonkers. But whether you're a stubby stick or a magnificent tree, I made you. And I like to spend time admiring my handiwork, gently shaping Molding, fixing, building, restoring, polishing, until you reflect me more and more. And I can see the smile in your spirit as you respond to my love. And I really do love you. And I don't want you to be so busy doing stuff for me that you forget to simply enjoy being with me.